season's greetings, Mrs. Claus here. My better half and his army of elves are getting ready to hit the home stretch on this season's work. And while bringing joy to little boys and girls everywhere warms their hearts, the best part of this whole shebang for them is listening to Pop-Up Filmcast's 12 Days of Pop-Up. Every weekday between December 9th and Christmas Eve, Keith and Derek put smiles on elf ears and make hubby's belly jiggle like a bowl full of jelly. There will be 12 guests talking about a dozen movies from the same number of genres, each with more holiday flair than a bottomless box of fate-supplied movies full of magical reindeer poop. Seriously, whatever they feed them to make them fly really does a number on their tummies. Anywho, make sure to check out the pop-up film costs 12 days of pop-up, starting Thursday, December 9th. And not to seem threatening, but those who don't get put on the naughty list, I'm Mrs. Claus, I can make that happen. When Tarantino was in this? Yeah. I admit. He's the guy. He's the guy who tells the joke about pissing all over the bar. Quentin Tarantino looks normal. Like just a regular guy. Yeah. That's wrong. What do you think? What do you think? What did you think he looked like? No, like he looks like a... Like he doesn't look like a man. He looks like a nerdy kid. He, that's exactly who Quentin Tarantino is. And was at this time. I mean, he was probably 20-something years old. I mean, this movie's 25, 26 years old now. Okay. He just... That just looks like an extra role. Like, I... I don't know. It's weird that... Why is he in this? That's weird. Hello and welcome to The Picture Show with Austin and Phil. I almost forgot the name of the show. Oh, wow. Weird. With We'll, uh, we'll just change it if that happens. Uh, you know? Welcome to The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I am... Um, uh, Phil Rude, and I'm not sure of anything. I'm the dad. I'm taking a stance. I'm the dad. And I'm potentially Austin Rude. I'm oh, suddenly questioning everything. Who are any of us, really? Huh. Wake up, you're in a dream. Uh, I play the son on this show, and every week we watch a movie, and we talk about it. Yes. Yes, we do. That's the premise. Stay in your lane, Austin. You're the son. All right. Be the sun. I'll be the sun. Here comes the sun. Do, 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 do. Uh, what have we been up to this week? Uh, I've not been up to much. What? Watching some Doctor Who or? I mean, just the usual. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had, well, the series just ended of, the most recent series of Doctor Who ended, uh, in a rather lukewarm kind of way, uh. Just kind of, it, it, they played it into like a big event, like Avengers Endgame, and then it just wasn't yeah, it just, much of anything. Yeah. Uh, but it was kind of cool. Okay. So that'll occupy my, occupy my mind for a week. But other than that, I, I've just been really busy, so I haven't been watching much. Got it. Yeah. You? I finished the Beatles documentary, uh... A lot of thoughts, but really, I mean, all the hot takes are out there. You, you don't need me to tell you about the Beatles, Doc. 
uh, except that I really enjoyed it. Uh, and the other thing I did want to talk about is I watched a movie on Netflix called The Power of the Dog. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, and Kirsten Dunst. It's a big cast um, for a movie I've never heard of. Uh, it's a kind of, like we've talked about, like the smaller movies that Netflix is doing, like the adult dramas. Right. Uh, it's a Western about two brothers uh, running a ranch in like 1920s Montana. And one of them is very much into ranching and the other one is not. And the sort of uh, tension between them and how it spills over to uh, his brother's wife and her son and everything. Call It's about long secrets and uh some really dark dark things it's a it's very very good it's one of those very slow burn movies but when you get about two-thirds in everything falls into place and you're like start figuring these characters out and it's really really uh compelling that sounds cool the title doesn't seem to relate to any of that it's uh it's there's a uh, like a Bible passage at the end that kind of sews it all up. And it's uh, based on a novel from like the 1960s. Okay. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was just on Mark Maron's podcast and they talked about this and they gave huge spoiler warnings because it is one of those things like, I get it. Like you kind of don't want to know too much about this character going in and where things end up. But uh it's but, actually but to get people like interested in it. Sometimes you kind of have to like spoil before why they got into creative. it. Yeah. Mark Marin cut in and is like, "Look, I we are going to get into talking about the movie. Skip ahead ten minutes if you if you care. You know right. what I mean? But I I really recommend the movie. Um, but it is uh, it's kind of a tough watch. at sometimes great interview by the way with with Marin on on that one Benedict Cumberbatch. Pretty interesting uh, dude. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah. He is. But, uh, yeah, that's that's about it. That's about all I made time for uh, this week. Uh, besides the movie for this week. We watched the 1995 action movie Desperado in the sequel to El Mariachi. The former musician arrives in a border town and gets entangled with a local drug kingpin, Bucho, and his gang. This movie stars Antonio Banderas as El Mariachi, Selma Hayek as Carolina, Joaquim de Almeida as Bucho, as well as featuring Cheech Marin, Steve Buscemi, Quentin Tarantino, Danny Trejo, and Carlos Gallardo. The original El Mariachi has a small role in this movie as well. Uh, this film was written and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Again. Just Again. like his, uh, his former one. Uh, Carlos, uh, that surprised me. Him being in... I, I didn't recognize him. He's one of the other mariachis. The, the uh, you know, at the end when the other two guys show up. Yeah. He's the guy with the machine gun guitar cases. Oh my god. And he's also in the beginning in the dream sequence when the mariachis are playing in the bar. 
Yeah. Uh, he's one of the other guys there as well. One of the other mariachis. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, he's in there and he is also listed as a producer on this. That's funny because one of my main critiques of this movie is I want him back. I Well, you got him. I, I do not care for this Antonio mariachi. Banderas? No? I, no. I don't think he knows who this character is. Really? He played him horribly, I think. What 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 is your complaint about Banderas's uh portrayal of him? I this movie seems to be a story about like internal conflict, but like there's no internal conflict on that gruff face of his. He's just like He's too pretty. He's too pretty and like <laughs> just like going through the action scenes, killing people when he needs to and like being romantic when he needs to I I don't believe him. Like hmm. I don't I don't know. He doesn't feel like the old character and he doesn't feel like a new character. I think uh I think you're partially valid there. I think it is kind of an extension of the old character but it, you're right he doesn't seem quite the same guy not just because he's a different guy but like quite the same character as el mariachi um but i think i think part of that is we're looking at him you know he's been living this life uh for for a while now he's not like the the artist looking for a place to play. Right. But um, I, th I think probably Rodriguez just wrote the character a little bit different. He's kind of a, he's kind of an action guy. He's kind of a romantic. And I like that I, because it is like, he still has the soul of an artist, you know? Yeah. Uh, but he's also uh, kind of a buffoon and he's still not like, he's great at killing people, but also, Kind of not. He's kind of like clumsy at times too. Like I think there's, and I think that's where the, like the comedy of this comes in. And I actually like how Banderas plays it a lot of the time where I think he plays those, those comedic beats really well when they come up. When is he funny during It's just, movie? it's not funny haha and telling jokes, but like it's funny, like in his expression when she like, dumps him off the counter because the the drug dealer's coming in right like, the way he plays that the way he plays the expressions when she's operating on him the way he kind of uh when his guitar case opens up and reveals all the guns and he just kind of has like oh you know here we go again kind of look um there's a moment when the bookstore is burning uh -huh. and uh Selma Hayek sees the guy on the stairs and shoots him and kills him I love and, that bit. And yeah. And then he walks by and is like, like he's stunned that she did it. And then he like walks by and he's like, he just shoots the guy like three more times for no reason. Like these little just, they're almost point to, yeah, he, he's good at this, but not quite. Like he's not, he's still like maybe insecure about it. And the way he plays it as just a little bit clumsy, like competent, but clumsy, I think is... I think it's a really fine line to walk and I think he walks it really well because I don't believe anything in this movie is to be taken super seriously. Right. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking like you said goofy. I, I see the comedy there, but 
I I saw him as so serious in this movie. Like when he finds out that the kid with the guitar is a drug dealer. Oh. And like goes completely ape shit on him. Like he I I don't know. Like that doesn't seem like the same person as the movie. I understand the character arc we're going with right. here. Like this is he's on a dark path, but like it just doesn't feel continuous consistent yeah right that's fair um i i think it is i think maybe it is partly because it's a different actor and it's a different kind of interpretation of the character but i think there is a i think there is a difference between the way the two actors played him and i think there's there's a difference in the two movies as well like uh Tonally, I think this is a little bit sillier and, um, but also like more of a big budget action at the same time. You know what I mean? See, I think the last one was silly too. I think this one just kind of did it better. It's a little smoother. Yeah. yeah. But like I, there's a, uh, the last note on, on that. I do, I think he walks the line between comedy and drama really well. You have the comedy beats that are done by like Steve Buscemi. I think is blatantly uh-huh. funny in this movie. Uh, and then you have like dramatic beats. I think Salma Hayek, when she sees the bookstore burning, she has a legitimate dramatic moment in there. Like her face, like really like she's, she owns that scene. Like, Oh yeah. She looks legitimately horrified and sad that her, her life's work and her mission to bring books to this town is on fire and being destroyed. And like, I, I love that. And, and I think, I think Banderas plays it right in the middle of those two, those two extremes and does it really well. It's not the same. I'll give you that. But I think what he does, he kind of makes a character his own and, and just kind of goes with it. And I think commits to that razor thin line that he's walking down the middle. Okay. I, maybe this is just because it's my first movie with him. Like, you know how you complain about... Oh, but it's not. We've seen him before. You can come back to that. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't even want to know. Uh, I, you complain about one of the Fast and Furious actors. I think it's Vin Diesel, who like, oh, he's, he's completely expressionless. <laughs> That's what I feel like this guy is. Or like Fabio. Like, he's just uh... like... A pretty boy who has no facial expression. Okay. Uh, it bugs me. He hold, he I want to punch him in the yes, face. He holds and, his one expression through this movie. You know, like... Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll give you that. But I do think Antonio Banderas is a good actor. I don't think he's just this pretty boy. You know, sure. Like, he's a legit... He's a legit actor. But, like, yes, at this time, he was doing a lot of action stuff. Uh, he was in some terrible, like, assassin movie with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Um, but no, I like Banderas and I like him in this movie and, but you're, you're, yeah, you're not wrong. There's not like a ton of depth to this character. Yeah. Like they try to give him the backstory, all the brothers, this and that, but like, it doesn't matter. This is a surface level movie and I don't think it's really trying to be a whole lot more than that. I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I, I think maybe like the best part of this character is maybe when he's with uh steve buscemi uh yeah like his 
it's like a buddy cop kind of feel right. when they're together. If that, may, especially in the beginning where they're working together, like, uh, there's just this uh, absurdity of them working. Like, yeah, like, like who is this guy? How did they meet? Why right. is he helping him? You know, these kind of like weird questions. Here they are in this like border town, and Steve Buscemi's like the whitest guy. That and, no one like yeah. questions. Like I love that opening scene when he's in the bar and he's like, Yeah, but we're a bunch of lowlifes. You know, not like these class acts over here. Right. Like, you know, and it's like definitely not you guys. He's really laying on the bullshit so thick. He's so freaking perfect in this movie. I love I love Steve Buscemi. It was such a good opener to the movie too. Yeah. Just that like it, it, just a story, like just to set up the mythology, the last yeah. movie, and you know, kind of all this, uh, but done in a really clever way, and it just like kicks off the movie with a bang. And he's, I I just love that he's completely bullshitting them. Like he's like, this is the biggest Mexican I've ever seen, and it's like Antonio Banderas isn't a big man. Like no, he's like you know, and he's just sort of like building. Oh, the shadows followed his face around and kept him hidden, and and, and the visual gag yeah. that when when you see it literally happen, <laughs> and you know, oh, the bartender lived. Cheech is like the bartender lives. He's like, no, the bartender got it worst of all. Like everything they say, he like comes back at him with another line of bullshit and it's just i i love it i think it's so i think it's so much fun i think what's great about that is it's like the same exact comedy that was in the last movie just it's executed at a better level right we've got let's not to be cruel to indie film but like we've got better actors yeah doing it it looks better it's it's edited together but you know what I mean? Like, it's him talking on top of this way over-the-top gunfight scene. Like, it, and it's just so, it all just flows really, really well. And then just stops. And he leaves the bar. Like, right. it's no big deal. And I, I think it's really cool. Um, But yet, let, yeah, let's stay on that note. Uh, Like, you were stoked to see... Like, you brought it up. You're like, Steve Buscemi was in this movie. I did not expect that. And I didn't even expect that you knew who Steve Buscemi really was. What do you know him from? Well, like, everyone knows him. Everybody knows him. But, like, are you, like, what what movies uh, do, do you have, like, a, a go-to Steve Buscemi movie? I was trying to figure it out. Uh, and I looked up his, like, IMDb. And there's a few big ones, like... Uh, let me see. He's in 30 Rock. Uh, that's probably just like a cameo, though. Uh, yeah. I don't even know. Uh, Big Fish. That's one that I've seen oh, quite yeah. a few he, times. He is in Big Fish. He's great in Big Fish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was going down the line. I saw Big Lebowski. Yep, Donnie. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, but what really stuck out to me, and this is not, this is going to age me. Monster House, the 2006 That's animated right. movie. He's like the old man, right? He plays the old neighbor man who's yeah. super scary and yells at them. And his voice, and it's motion capture, so it's right. It's like it is kind of, kind of him, yeah. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, something about his face or his voice, like has always been ingrained. in He's me. such a, a unique looking and sounding 
person. Yes. You know what I mean? And and I just, I love what he brings to a movie. Uh, I wonder if they got him for this movie because of Quentin Tarantino, because he had done Reservoir Dogs a couple of years prior to this. It could be. And um, I think at this time, probably at the time this came out, is when Tarantino, who's in this movie, as we've established. <laughs> as I realized just uh, uh, an hour ago. and Because him and Rodriguez are friends. Uh, right after this, I think they made From Dust Till Dawn together. Which is a Robert Rodriguez right. movie that I think Tarantino did some direction on. I think maybe he wrote it or wrote part of it. Or they co-wrote it together. But Tarantino also stars in that. All right. Uh, so there is all these connections. And it makes me wonder if that's how they got... Steve Buscemi to be in this movie because Tarantino just basically brought him with, but he fits so perfectly into that role of just sort of like the weaselly guy who's kind of an informer and kind of uh, like an errand boy for the mariachi. And then he just gets killed like halfway through the movie (laughs) and he's never brought up again. (laughs) And that was that, like, that's it. Uh, But it works Uh, for something you're right, like, he's only in, like, half the movie, yeah. half the scenes in that part, even, but, like, it works. He feels like he's meant to be a part of this yeah. movie. He doesn't feel like they just plugged a celebrity into this movie. Right. It feels like, yeah, he belongs here. Um, I, I have a personal theory that he is actually um, the Tortuga... Oh, he's from the turtle the come to life? Epi- oh. From the last movie, yeah. Maybe. He, he turned into a man. We we just didn't get to see that. Part. That could be. That's very interesting. I actually kind of like that. Um, On this same uh, topic. Of turtles? Of turtles. Of, um... Oh my god, Steve. I'm scrolling Buscemi's um, filmography. I totally forgot he's in, like... Uh, two seasons of The Sopranos, and it's like this. His he has like this great storyline that runs throughout that. Maybe it's only one season. But either way, it's like it's one of the the high points of of that series. It's he, really cool. He's so so good in it. He he excels in those side roles. And he's Randall, the evil monster in Monsters Inc. That's right. Yeah. Wow. They're all over the place. Um, Tarantino, in this movie, uh, you're not a fan I okay. of him being an actor. And I just want to address that. Like, what, did you think he was bad? Well. Because I won't disagree with you. I don't think Tarantino is a good actor. I, I didn't pick up on the fact that he was anyone, but like, I was... First off, I didn't get the point of the scene in general. Like, it was just kind of like a bullshit. Like, oh, right. this is a funny joke moment before right. whatever. Uh, but I was like, we've already seen a bartender talking to a white guy who clearly is shooting the shit and doesn't actually know what he's talking about. Like, I don't know why we're seeing it again. And then uh, I wasn't... I just wasn't that impressed. And then I found out it was Quentin Tarantino and like 
I don't know how to explain. It's like seeing a teacher at like the grocery <laughs> store when you're five and you're like, you're not supposed to be. Yeah, here. you don't uh, exist outside of school. Like you don't exist yeah. outside of your own filmography, like your own direction. Uh, because that's like, if he had a cameo in his own movie, I'd be like, oh, sure. Everyone right. does that. But right. like, just for him to show up in this one Which random... he does, he does that fairly regularly as well. He's in yeah. Re- uh, Reservoir Dogs. He's not a cameo. He has like a fairly large role. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a big role in From Dust Till Dawn. Him and George Clooney play brothers. All right. They're like... You know, um, and yeah, he, he cameos in a lot of, of his films. I don't think he's a strong actor at all. Um, and I, I do feel like this was a scene cause it advances nothing. That character dies almost immediately. Right. Like, and, and also this is like, this is a Mexican film. Like, like I was, it's like, if you watch like a French film from like oh. 20 years ago and you find like, I don't know the most random person like Beyonce in it. Like <laughs> what are you doing in this movie? It, sure. And and knowing that they're friends and whatnot, like that makes the, you can see the connections there, but they're just not like inherently made connections. I would, my, my mind was just thrown for a loop. I, I will argue that this is a Mexican film. I think El Mariachi was a Mexican film. This was very much, an American film. This was a, I think the Weinstein's financed this. This was a American studio system film. Okay. Well, I like, did recognize you know, that the like yeah the the main language is English. The now. the the uh, production value is up. This you know El Mariachi got Robert Rodriguez this movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like it got him more money, which is like I think why this this movie, and this is why I think I'm. I'm probably more forgiving of the change to the character and the change in tone is that this movie is a sequel to El Mariachi, but it's also almost a remake of in the same way, like evil dead two is kind of, it's kind of a sequel and kind of a remake of evil dead one. So, so I think we're seeing those similarities between Raimi and Rodriguez continue because this this does reference El Mariachi a lot. So it is a direct sequel. He's got the scar mm-hmm. in his hand. You know, they have the flashback, like dominoes in the in that one scene. Yeah. The, this is her second uh credit. A movie ever. And, and that's it. That's these are the, her two her two credits. And in this one, it's just they reshot the end of that movie. <laughs> um, I, I I thought it was funny actually that I think you it's can great. tell they reshot yeah. it. Like, almost to make it, like, look better. He's like, imagine if I had done it this way. Uh, it, just, like, doing a fan thing. It looks so solid, except that it's Antonio Banderas in the shot. And, yeah. and you know. But, um, so it does reference it. So it is a sequel. But it also, like, there's so many of the same, like, story beats. The plot is essentially the exact same. Um, it's just that he's already the killer instead of being a mariachi who's mistaken for a killer. Right. And then also the last movie's events are, you know, the, the reason for the motivation for this fight, which is 
he's trying to avenge Domino. Right. He's still moving up the ladder, basically. Right. Y- you know. Um, but it, they even do, like, the mistaken identity thing with Danny Trejo. Uh-huh. Where, like, the gangsters roll up and think Danny Trejo is the mariachi and start, like, and that I think that it is the same story beat, but I think it's also really funny, like, when uh, Bucho's on the phone and he's like, tell me what your guy looks like. He's confirming and all as of they're this bringing, stuff. You know, and it's like right down to like, he has change for the payphone. And they pull up like a handful of coins. Okay, we've got all we need. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll keep an eye out for him. And then they just, they just are like, well, shit. Um, but it's, it's perfect. And I think it's a great callback to the first movie. Because that was all about like mistaken identity. Um, and that kick this also kicked off uh, Danny Trejo's uh, enormous film career. He has basically an entire career built on being that guy. Yeah, I've I've seen posts about him like always playing the same character. Kind of, yeah. He's always like some kind of thug or uh, uh, killer or something. You know, like that's basically his jam and i think it all really started uh with this movie apparently uh robert rodriguez is his second cousin oh really uh yeah that's i i just clicked on his thing on uh google and that's really cool but uh yeah start here uh it looks like yeah he did a bunch of tv ahead of this yeah, construction worker, <laughs> bartender. He does play. He does play a bartender and anchorman as well. Uh, it's so great. <laughs> um, oh yeah, he, he's in. Uh, he's in Heat. He's in From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, you know Danny Trejo. Uh, if yeah. you think you you don't, just like take a look at him. And someone I, somewhere I heard a story that he, at a certain point, was like. Uh, considering getting having plastic surgery to like fix, you know, he has like really deep scars on his face. Yeah, and he wanted to get that fixed. And his wife was like, "Don't, don't do that. That's your, that's what you get hired for. Your, it's your brand. Right? Like, it, yeah, you're like this actual like thuggish dude. Uh, and and that's who you play. That's your entire. That's like your job. You know what I mean? Like, um. But yeah, it's really I, I, interesting actually to be typecast to the fact where you're like afraid to change how you look. Uh, yeah, um, and there's a. I'm I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Do no, what makes you feel I, good. Yeah. But like, I think Danny Trejo uh, has a really, you know, he has a, a scarred face for sure. But he has a, like a really interesting face. Like he's a really and as he's aging. It's only getting more and more. He's a really interesting guy to look like. He's an unmistakable dude. Like you go, like right. I know that face, and it's not just because he's like scarred, but he carries them and the he, facial features. It goes with a lot of yeah. the characters he plays. There was a dude on um, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he's an Irish guy. He's also in Gladiator, and he has like some real uh, uh, deep scars on his face as well. 
And they're always just sort of like played into the character. Like he plays a a biker dude on Sons of Anarchy. And it's sort of like, yeah, I believe that guy would be scarred up from something. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's, and it's just sort of like, works. it all plays in and he plays those roles really, really well. I, I like when it ties into it. Yeah. Like you don't need the makeup to. Right. To make that. Well, and I think it plays in partly to like what we talked about last week with like the actors in indie movies, how they look like real people. Like, they don't look perfect. Like, in this movie, we have, like, Salma Hayek. Young Salma Hayek. Young Antonio Banderas. These perfect people. And then you have Danny Trejo, who looks like a dude that you could run into on the street. Like, right. like people are scarred. People are imperfect. People are, you know, have, like, a lot of sun damage on their face. And it's just sort of like, he looks like a real guy and a real scary guy. It, it really feels like the town of people have not changed how they look at all. But, like, right. suddenly these so two these, hot these people gorgeous roll people town. rolling. And it's like, and, uh, yeah, I'll distract them with uh, Steve Buscemi. And, <laughs> but, uh, Hi, I'm Domino 2, and I'm yeah. super hot. But, um, yeah, I really, I love that this cast is in this movie of just, and, and it's like small roles. Like, Cheech is the bartender, Cheech Marin. Um and and then there's just like a bunch of like character actors. I know I've seen a lot of these Mexican dudes in other movies, just in small like playing thugs or gang members or whatever. But like these were again 25 years before people were talking about diversity in film. Here's a Mexican director making a movie set in Mexico, employing tons of Mexican actors to populate his movie, and. At the same time, making fun of white people. All those scenes with white college kids coming in the bar are, they're hilarious. Like they the, are. The college girls who are like, your service is terrible. <laughs> like, in this shitty little drug bar. <laughs> why, why does it remind me so much of uh, the episode of Arrested Development where, um, this is such a side tangent, but um, the kid, uh, What's his name? Uh, George Michael. Michael? Sarah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. George. He's he's in college in Mexico. And like, he's talking about like, oh, they love me there and whatnot. And it's like the touristy part of <laughs> yeah, Mexico. Like, right. <laughs> and you see everyone hating them. It's, it's exactly like that. Oh, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because there's another Arrested Development uh, connection here. Is that so? The bookstore burns down and the money was stashed in the bookstore. There's always the money, money in, in the, the banana, banana stand. stand. <laughs> my all God. I could think of when she said it was in the walls. It was in the books. <laughs> it was in the books. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I love that. Well, um, we always have the library. Yeah. <laughs> It is legitimately sad when, when her business burns down. It's, yeah. And it's, it's like a character death. I think, um, I want to talk about that scene because it's one of my favorite sequences in in the movie. Okay. Um, and it is that thing that Rodriguez does. He does it so well in El Mariachi. And I think it's the thing that we liked about El Mariachi that we said set it apart. He knows how to build tension. And that scene where she's like, she's playing guitar while he's sleeping and he sees the shadows coming in uh-huh. and he's getting his guns. And I mean, just that we know where it's going. 
you see the end point of it, but waiting for it to get there. I, I think he does that stuff so well where he just winds it up and lets you see where it's going and then just withholds it from you the, for as long as he can. The the gun going over her face yeah. back and yeah. forth. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's great. I, another scene like that is in the bookstore. I, I was gonna... Uh, yep. Okay, Get, when... When uh Bucho uh yep. when he comes in and uh our mariachi is behind the, behind counter, the counter and we cut to these shots <clears throat> and for some reason it reminds me of like Die Hard where he it's like this dark and like he's slowly quietly yeah. cocking his gun he's, getting it ready he's trying to slide the the, the the clip in and you know on a pistol everything clicks and clacks and makes noise and he's try every time it clicks he's like Ugh! and and they cut away to bucho and it's it it's great that that is a scene when i think of this movie i think of that scene because from the very first time i saw this movie that that just caught my attention because that tension is so freaking high there it's really good and it it takes a while. Yeah. Like they let you live in that moment. Uh, and I don't know. It's just pasted so well together. The cuts between uh, it. It's something that I feel like could have been in the last movie. Like they just. Yeah. Uh, again, it's I like, think he was capable of making this scene at any point in his film career. Yes. Like his, yeah. his skills. I mean, maybe they've grown, but like he was capable of this either way. It's just he has the resources now. I think he's really great at building a scene and telling a story. And and I I think where the real I think that's evident from the very beginning with El Mariachi. But I think this one, he's also developing like a little more of like a style on top of that. So like his his tension is built, but like the the action scenes he has are just, they're so freaking stylized. Like nothing is real in them. Like the, the bar shootout. Right. Like the, the, the throwing knives, the, the throwing whole, knives, all of it. Um, the, the like Banderas in the bar, he's got like, he's got the gun and he's like, he's like throwing bullets with it. And it's like, it's not how you shoot a gun. Everybody has silencers on the, on their gun or suppressors and they're loud as shit. So, like, none of this stuff makes sense. None of it is real. Sure. Everything is o just over the top. Um, and I think I think that's what he's developing in this movie is he's got his storytelling chops. He's got his tension building chops. And now he's kind of working on his style. How far over the top do I take it? And you see it here. You see it in From Dusk Till Dawn a lot. And I think he kind of evens out, but he's finding his way through it. And you can just kind of see, like, He's got money to play with here and you can kind of feel him going, how far can I push this? How far can I take this? And, and like the, even like the, the sex scene, it's so, it's hilarious. It's so ridiculously over the top that it's like, you can't even look at it and say, this is sexy. It's just, it's so crazy ridiculous it's like that, 800 shots. Yeah, he's got the spur, the spurs of his boots are like rolling over her ass. And I'm just like, this is, this is so dumb. It's hilarious. 
And that's what I'm thinking, like, all these little bits of over-the-top stylization, whether it be in the love scene or in, in the shootout scene, I think it all leads up to this just being like a bizarre comedy. Like, there's there's so much comedy in this movie. I It definitely is goofy, but... It's not straight-up comedy, but it is, like, there's so much funny moments. Not jokes. Yeah. But it's just kind of a funny tone on top of it. I, I really can't tell. I don't think that sex scene was meant to be funny, is the thing. I really think it was made with sincerity, but it is done with like so much intense focus that it is like, absurd yeah right i maybe it wasn't maybe it was meant to be like legit sexy but like it, it just it reads as silly at a certain at right. a certain point because because i feel like everything's just dialed up a little yeah. bit. yeah yeah that's what i mean it's it's just everything is bumped up past reality you know we're, we're almost on like a different plane it's like reality uh, 1.5. It's it's just sure. up a, a notch, just enough to heighten every single thing. No, I don't want to update my uh, car warranty. Are you sure, though? I mean... Uh, maybe. Um, I see you got Guitar Kid on here. So let's, uh, let's talk about Coco. I... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, live-action Coco was not as good as I thought it would be. What if this was the live-action Coco? <laughs> would be kind wow. of interesting. I uh, didn't expect that. Uh, I find it interesting because, like you were saying, this movie kind of recycles, like, the plot elements or, like, characters and whatnot from the last movie. Uh, right. And once again, there is, like, a kid caught in the middle of, like, this violence. But I I think the Guitar Kid was done really well in this movie. And I feel like it wasn't in the last movie. Like, I feel like with this, I now realized what he was trying to do in the first movie with that kid and, like, the dream, the ball is his Oh, head, that kid, and... yeah. Yeah, uh, there's no kid with a guitar in the I was other trying to movie. think, was there another, was there a kid in El Mariachi? But like the dream sequence kid. Yes, yeah. the, there's a kid who is a reoccurring character and then right. he shows up like towards the end and like doesn't get caught in the violence, but he's there to witness it. Right. And it's, I think it's like this death of innocence thing that he's trying to do, but it didn't click until this movie. So I, I thought... Uh, that was cool that he kind of went back and he did that better. Right. And it made sense. Yeah. And I like that the kid was not like, he didn't become like a kid sidekick, you know, like, <laughs> like that would have just been weird. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just sort of like he shows up on the street and is like, show me how to play guitar. And then, you know, later on they find out he's like a drug mule and uh that scene's really cool by the way when uh like that shot of them walking down the street and the mariachi's leaving that trail of blood oh the blood out. yeah it's just it's shot so well it's just a straight on uh they're they're walking you know left to right and he's just leaving this 
<laughs> so much blood. <laughs> There's no way he'd be alive. It's but, just obscene. Um, yeah, and then he confronts like the dealers in the car, and that's just like it's it's so good. It's it's just like it's this really good use of this kid, and then it turns like so dark at the end. Yeah. Um, when he's caught in the crossfire, um, and it just it, it like I did not remember that or expect like the almost dead kid at the end. Like that was that was shocking to me. It was because like there's something about oh the adults are having fun shooting at each other and then right. oh shit there's a kid and yeah like because the movie has a f- that's what it is is like shootouts are a very serious thing but this movie plays it like it's fun and then the fun breaks once well, when a bystander is in danger that I think that's what reads so weird about it I think you just nailed it is is not just that like shootouts are shown as cool. This is in the middle of a shootout where a guy has two guitar cases that have machine. They take the the guns in the guitar case so over the top. A guy has a rocket launcher in a guitar case. Like this has become the mariachi brand is to have weapons in guitar cases. So now the guitar case is a weapon. It's so ridiculous. It's so far over the top that nothing about this shootout is taken seriously and then all of a sudden dead kid it's like holy shit right we were having fun what did you do to me what Robert happened Rodriguez? To the fun and and like it just is so out of left field that even when you see the kid watching it you don't think it's gonna go there yeah I, and I can't believe I forgot it it's like oh, so so disturbing that I'm like, why did that not stay with me when I, you know, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. But it's like, I remember him, like, checking his guns behind the counter. But I don't remember them shooting a kid at the end of this movie. Um, <laughs> it was really intense. It is. It's brutal. It's 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 really bad. Uh, you know, it, of course, happy ending. But, like, it just is like, uh, yeah, it's really weird. I think there is a statement about, like. Hey, there's a consequence to this life, and sometimes someone else pays it. Mm-hmm. There is a death of innocence thing, I think, in there. Um, but I think I think the death of innocence comes more in the idea of this kid carrying drugs around town. Yeah, to and support his dad. We who didn't. Can't we didn't need to actually shoot the kid for that to come across. You know what I mean? Like it just seems mm-hmm. super unnecessary. Um, I. But I also think this. What's interesting is like our mariachi. He doesn't like he stands up for the kid and he's like, "No, you shouldn't be a drug meal like all this." But then he still ends up involved in the incident that gets him hurt. Right. That's like his wake up call. I feel. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And <laughs> if domino dying already wasn't his first wake up call sure you know this is his revenge this is his revenge quest for domino uh-huh and the idea of like oh well all that gets you is other people dead and then it's like they have the thing at the end where it's like he leaves his guitar case behind and he's like i'm done with this life and then they come back and pick it up and it's like well okay all of this like theme of revenge is a is a nowhere track you know and he's learned from that all of that just ends up 
meaningless because he comes back and he gets all his guns so he can continue on his on but his dad, merry way. Dad, you don't understand. It's it's a really cool guitar case. I mean, it is. You don't just leave that laying on the side of the road. Look, it is true. What if a kid picked that up? Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's kind of a... I, I think that's where this movie stumbles the most is when it's trying to make a bigger point. That it really uh, just has no business making. This is a fun shoot 'em up movie. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that's really what it is. It's a really highly stylized, fun revenge movie, and that's kind of the realm it should stay in. I um, agree, but I also do like the drama to it. Like Oh, I think the dramatic beats of like I said, like the bookstore burning. Mm-hmm. I think that thing and I think that also shows like, hey, Someone else is paying for your sins. But but there's even, like, uh, we talked about, like, what is Steve Buscemi's role in here? But, like, he does, he has that moment where he tells, he tells him, uh, you know, you don't want to go down this path. It's only going to lead to people right. getting hurt. Kind of, like, hints that he's been down this himself. And then... Sure. He's an American hanging out in Mexico. He has a backstory somewhere. Right. Yeah. And he ran into Mariachi not doing good things. So, uh, but then he ends up dying and that is kind of like a consequence that gets paid. It's just maybe at the wrong point of the movie. Yeah. When uh, Buscemi dies, it is like, like I said, there's no, there's no comeback to his character he dies um while danny trejo is trying to kill the mariachi yeah you know so then it becomes the action scene between trejo and the mariachi and then bucho's gang and danny trejo so Uh it becomes like this bigger action scene and and steve buscemi's character just gets left you know like oh yeah we're we're out it, there's um, too many pieces. They they had right. to clear something off the board. But he never like is like remorseful. Oh, my friend died, or or whatever. Like, be, or he died because of me. That would have been like I think a better handling of this theme of other people pay the consequence for this. Right. He, I mean, he already lost. He lost Domino, and then presumably this is his friend who helped him heal from that. Right. And. He's going to die again because of you and gang violence and you're not going to show anything about it. It's it's a little weird. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but that's, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a small nitpick on this. My bigger, my bigger problem with it is I think after, after the bookstore fire and after he's almost going to kill Bucho and then he's like, oh my God, that's my brother. Like, I think there's, like, a weird pacing thing that happens there because the movie sort of, like, loses focus for a minute before... It almost doesn't know how to resolve at that point. Like, before the shootout? Like, after the shootout. After the bookstore burns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the, the big shootout like in the street. when he's on the roof yeah. and he Yeah, when he's on the Ucho. roof and he, he gets the gun with the scope out and he's like, oh, my God, that's my brother. I right. can't kill him. And then, yeah. Before the big resolution. Which, did they explain how he recognized it was his brother? Or, like... 
I feel like I missed that part. Yeah, you recognize his brother. Okay. He knows what his brother looks like. Fair enough. But he hadn't seen him up until that point. They didn't know what each other looked like. That, okay, because I was thinking they this just, is like a long lost brother, like... No, he just I never made like, the connection there. That's Bucho, that's who this drug kingpin, that's a name he goes by. And Bucho knows the mariachi. He doesn't know. Right, so and, but, they didn't know their real names. Right, and then... but there's like these weird little things that are like peppered in there. Um, when Bucho sees the guitar kid, uh, he kind of looks at him for a minute. And it's just sort of like, you can, knowing the ending, you you know he's looking at that kid going, oh, my brother played guitar. My brother wanted to be a mariachi. He, you know, like, he has it, like it, this family isn't connection. Isn't that like, like he was nice to him and then all of the, all of his gang members were kind of like, uh, what? It was just, he kind or of like, just looked at him for a minute. I, th- I think he might have said something to him. Uh, but I, then, there like, was a moment at the y- beginning that I clocked. Yeah, like that. it was after the bar shootout. I think when they're all, he's all in there, like uh-huh. figuring out what happened. Um, yeah. See, now I have to go back and watch it again yeah. with all of the, all of the pieces. There's together. a couple little yeah. little Easter eggs in there where they're kind of uh, like uh, he puts a cigar out and his ashtray is in the shape of a guitar, and it's just sort of like yeah, he has like this connection to the mariachi somewhere and he's kind of hinting at that it's actually really i think well done mm-hmm. but i do think i think the i feel like the plot of this movie just sort of loses focus a little bit until they come back to that last big shootout at the end yeah. and then that last shootout is just like it's so over the top and crazy right it's it's the gun yeah. porn that we've been waiting <laughs> yes. for it is just like random gunshots at, at a certain point it, it kind of like loses loses the thread a little bit I think the the third act of this movie is a little bit messy, but you know, it's fine for what this film is. I I think it's a fun ride to get there. I think it's a, I think it's a really fun ride. Yeah. Uh, overall, did you did you enjoy this movie? I did enjoy this movie. I I liked it better than the first one. Okay. Uh, not just like production wise, but like also I think the story. There's more here. Uh, a little where, bit, yeah. And it's more interesting, more engaging. Uh, I think there's more, like, scenes, but they're quicker. So, like, it just keeps you going with the flow. And I feel like this is a really fun movie to just put on. Yeah. And people are going to watch it and, like, like it's a party movie. Kind of, yeah. Like, you would watch this with your buddies mm-hmm. and just be like, this is a lot of fun. You don't have to pay a ton of attention to it. Yeah, you you figure out as the scene goes it, on what's it is, happening. Yeah, it is like, whereas I feel like El Mariachi is great for kind of different reasons. And a lot of that is like, oh, you can watch El Mariachi and kind of see how it was made. And it's uh-huh. so interesting. And see how, it's, how it does engage you despite, you know, whatever shortcomings. This one has all the infrastructure of making a movie in place and they're just sort of like go with it go you know run right. it's it's really and uh and he does run with it and it's really fun so um what you, uh what do you think though is this is this a movie that you would recommend to other people oh for sure i think this movie's a lot of fun i think i don't think this movie like i said i think it stumbles a little bit when it's trying to be like kind of thematic but i think robert rodriguez knows exactly the movie that he's making 
He's like, I'm going to make a fun Mexican, uh, like, neo-Western. Like a modern Western. Yeah. And it's just going to be over the top. And everybody's going to watch it and have a really good time. And I'm going to try. It's going to be well written. I think the dialogue in this movie is great. In the same way that, like, Tarantino dialogue is great. Mm-hmm. It's not how people talk. But, but in, that's okay. In this world, it is. And uh, I think Selma Hayek is is super f- fun. She's just so much fun in this movie. For like, sure. The her whole sequence where she's operating on him and like burning him with cigarettes and shit, and that was brutal. It, by the way, she's, like, well, he's like mocking her for having books, and she's like, "That's how I know how to operate on you, dumbass!" Like, and yeah. she's just like sassy without being like hashtag girl boss about it you know what i mean like she's mm-hmm. just this really great charming character and she balances like like you said antonio banderas walks around with his little sourpuss face on and she balances that out by being like really fun yeah and, and then also not all... taking his shit the same way like domino in the first one was like i'm not taking your shit and she tried to cut his balls off in the bathtub like yeah, uh, Rodriguez writes these these women to be like, yeah, you're a love interest, uh, but you're also like super fun. Like right. you're 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 more you have a little more depth than than anything else in this movie. They they're they're not an easy like prize like the right. They're not two dimensional. There's there's something there. Yeah, because they even show them like in both cases, uh, it's. These are women who have been given businesses by the local drug lord in an attempt to buy them. Right. And they've not been with them. You know what I mean? They're they're just like, "No, I'm not I'm not that." Mm-hmm. And so it is it is like there's there's just a little more to them. The, um there is a weird thing. I'm wondering if Robert Rodriguez like Lost a girlfriend to a guy with a Porsche or something. A guy, yeah. Like, he really is <laughs> a guy, like, a guy, don't leave a guy for money, please, please. This guy was selling dime bags on his street. <laughs> it was just, so pissed no, about I think, it. I think he just reused that plot element from I, El I Mariachi. So too, and I yeah. think it's one of those sort of recycled things. But and I think it works. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, I think this movie's super fun. And uh, yeah, I think you said it really well. Like, watch this movie with friends. Uh-huh. It's, and it's, it's like, you'll have a, this is a good, like movie night movie. Um, so, uh, absolutely. I recommend this. Uh, what do you think so far in terms of trilogy? We talked about like, there is a distinct difference between El Mariachi and this movie. Do you think this is lining up to be a cohesive trilogy or do you think it's going to be a little more like what we've been talking about, the Evil Dead comparison. I don't think it's as disconnected as Evil Dead. Um, Like, this is... There is something about the tone that stays the same. It is... You said... uh, What did you say? A Mexican Western? Yeah. Yeah, like, that's what it is. It's like a modern Western mm -hmm. in in the Mexican culture, you know? like So it's still, like, Southwestern and... uh, and a, a, it is distinctly like not America. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like it, it is a different world. I, I don't know. I feel like they don't flow together, but they both tackle and deal with like the same stuff. And like, 
they're in the same grouping okay I'll say so i i do think the third one is probably going to be more on par with this one right because uh, it's another studio one um and i think that's going to continue this story further than like than this one did like this one was a rehashing that also moved the emotional beats forward right and i think we're really gonna get like the peak of it i assume this is him going after like bucho's boss right like uh i track down the boss of the boss of the boss it's really odd because they are characters in the third one but i wouldn't necessarily and this is i have seen once upon a time in mexico one time when it first came out so my recollection of it is a pretty hazy you stuck to the title you can only see this once upon a time but that's right that's right i took it very seriously um is my uh recollection that they are in this movie they are not necessarily the central focus of this movie Uh, uh, that's interesting johnny depp is like a cia guy who is essentially johnny depp's the main character yeah pretty much more more or less the main character yeah boy uh that's interesting look I'm, everybody no, I'm not can, a Johnny Depp hater. Everybody Don't. can dunk on Johnny Depp all they want to. When Johnny Depp is doing good, Johnny Depp is really good. And I do remember Johnny Depp being pretty good in this movie. Like just, just he he fits in this world surprisingly well, if I remember correctly. Sure. I may change my tune. It's a weird world. Why he's not a, weird a Mexican dude. character? Though? Because that's he's a CIA weird. guy. He that's that's the point. Is he's the gringo coming down to do what the cia does which is meddle in other countries bullshit that's i that is fair that is what the cia does it's interesting though that the more money these movies get the whiter they become it's this movie doesn't become white it johnny depp is in it like okay it's, I, it's still once he's upon the a main ti- character it's still once upon a time in mexico are you gonna are you gonna bag on robert rodriguez a mexican for whitewashing his movie because he put a white guy in it. Well, no, I'm just trying to understand. It seems we'll weird. watch the movie and we'll talk about it then because okay. I don't remember exactly how all the pieces fit together or who gets the most screen time. But I mean, it's all right. It's what it is. Like uh, also Johnny Depp, very bankable star at the time. Like that was was the beginning of like his Pirates of the Caribbean run. Yeah. Uh, you know, he hadn't he hadn't blown it all by playing Willy Wonka yet. Uh, <laughs> but um No, I dig Johnny Depp when he's good and I recall his character being super interesting in this and uh this movie still kind of keeping the Rodriguez weirdness uh going. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how it caps off and how it plays all as a trilogy because um like I said, I don't remember the movie super well, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoyed watching this. I think tonally, El Mariachi and Desperado are very similar. The big difference is in their budgets, is in their production value. Right. And uh, so I think it does work well on one level as a movie and a sequel that take place in the same universe, and they, but they look just worlds apart. <laughs> and it is... It is disjointing, and I can see, I think, um, between that and, I don't know if there's a rights issue 
But like El Mariachi is never streaming anywhere. But Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico always show up right. together on the same server. So it is. I don't know if they have trouble getting the rights for all three of them to stream. I but um, even not on streaming. When I looked it up, like they sell box sets that are only two and three. Really? Yeah, that's, that's really like strange. Most of the box sets are like that. I wonder if that really has so much to do with where, like El Mariachi had a a successful run at like film festivals uh-huh. and was like critically acclaimed, but it, I, it didn't like play wide in the United States. And then like, if you go back to late seventies, uh, the road warrior, the second Mad Max movie was called the road warrior because it was getting an American release. And like it played in Australia as Mad Max too, but people in America didn't know what Mad Max was. So, like, there's a weird thing about a movie that is a foreign movie, but then its sequel, like, go, international. goes international and and just, like, what people latch onto as the first movie. Because The Road Warrior, kind of the same thing. It kind of is like, yeah, you could watch it with no real knowledge of the first movie and not be lost. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and this movie kind of does the same thing. You get a little bit of backstory, but you could watch this cold. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think there is, is something to that. Mad Max eventually caught up with American audiences, but it's weird that there are box sets that leave out the first movie. Cause it's like, this is the one that gave him everything. Right. You know? But maybe they think, you know, people are going to be turned off by the production value. and Could be. All right. Well, we'll just start them off with two because it's nice and polished. It, it could be. It could be. Yeah. The studio was like, no, we don't want that in our box set or whatever. I don't know, yeah. know why you wouldn't. I I don't know. I, I think it's a... I don't think I'd buy a box set that thing. didn't have... All three movies in it. Yeah. It's just sort of like... And you're just buying yeah. two movies. Yeah. Like I said, I want to buy that first movie. I, I need to... Well, I need, we'll I need a to, box yeah, set, I'm yeah. sure. Um, do I have friends in Mexico who will find me a box? I bet there's a, I bet there's a box set in Mexico you can buy oh, all sure. three movies. Um, Send it our way. That's it. I, w- I would love that. Um... That's all I got for this. Let's move on to uh to shout outs. What do you got this week, Us? Okay. Uh I'm shouting out a TikTok channel um by the name of Miss Frazzled. Uh this might be a bit niche to me, uh, but I do follow a lot of teachers on TikTok and uh a, a lot of it is just like, you know, general you know how you get your little areas of TikTok where mm-hmm. people like discuss, and it's like a lot of shop talk. You know, how do you get your uh, classroom management to do this or that? But uh, this channel, um, Miss Frazzled, uh, which is her alias because she's right. not gonna go by her real name, uh, but she she does more uh, like how can you be proactive in teaching kids how to be uh kind and like uh there's a word for it um like emotional learning okay um there's emotional learning and then also teaching 
activism and inclusion and all of this really good stuff. Sort of a social uh, consciousness kind of education. Yeah, because uh, truly, um, personal opinion incoming, uh, a lot of Western education in general is so focused on academics uh, <sighs> that we forget that a lot of kids don't get emotional learning at home and that they need that right. as well. Uh, and so especially for a kindergarten teacher, um, it makes sense for her to be focused on that. And so she she teaches a lot of really good tips and just like also from an outside perspective, if you're not a teacher or educator, it's interesting to learn about that and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And this is how I can teach my kids how to do that. Sure. Uh, that's really uh, interesting because I'm, I'm a, I, I have no skin in the game. You guys are all grown. You're out of school. That's right. I, I have opinions about where personal, um, uh, personal things belong in and out of the class. You know, I, I don't believe anyone should teach uh, spirituality or religion at school. Yes. Um, I don't believe they should teach or push their personal values, but the idea of like teaching that activism is something to be involved in teach that you are not the center of the universe and you do need to know how to interact with other people <laughs> in a, in a way that is not, I mean, look at people in the adult world, in the, in the grown up world around us who are like, I just tell it like it is if you don't, you know, and they're just like, mm -hmm. and this is my excuse to be an asshole. And it's well, just sort well, of like, maybe you need to, maybe you could learn to say that in a way that isn't mean to people. Like, you know, right. like it, it's this, see the, the, it's this, it's crazy. Cause I see the same exact attitude in first graders who are frustrated because I'm helping someone else with homework and right. they don't get a turn. And uh, you know, people who are waiting too long at Starbucks. Like, it's the same thing that some people have just never been taught how to emotionally handle waiting. Yeah, it's, um, but uh, yeah, like I was saying, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I find it very interesting to, uh, sort of experiment and find where the line where the line is. Wait, how, you know, how to do that in a classroom it, without it, overstepping? Uh, I listened to a podcast yesterday where people were talking about um, schools that are having discussions about gender identity with very small children. And I have very mixed emotions about how to do that. In one hand, I think you're looking for an issue that isn't there a lot of times. And on the other hand, I say, I, I, I hear the argument that... Um, some of these kids who have these issues, this is the only place that they will hear something positive or educational about that. And, yeah. but I, I just, I don't know. I don't know where that line is. And I'm not, I'm not claiming to know where that line is. I just think it's an interesting discussion because I think there's a lot of sides to it. And I think a lot of people are bringing up a lot of valid points on all sides of it. And, yeah. and, and it's just, that, I'm using that as an example. I'm not trying to, to no, I, I drag up a saying. whole... I, I just think there are are things that we send our kids to school for um, and 
it's just sort of like, yes, be hands on with my kids and teach them about social responsibility. Um, but also keep your personal values out of it. And I don't know as a teacher, I I'm, I'm not digging on teachers. I'm digging a hole for myself right now is what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I just, I'm very interested in where that line is because I don't know where it, it is. And I just, I think teachers who are doing things like this are exploring that. And I think yeah. that's where, that's where I'm trying to get with this is that I think it's cool that people are exploring that. And, you know, I'm sure teachers like that are very focused on how far can I take this? And have put a lot of thought into it. I'm not suggesting she's in there just wildly firing off her personal values and indoctrinating children into, All right, you know, kids, like, and who are we voting for? <laughs> right. Joe Biden. Right. It's like this, this uh, Fox News nightmare of what happens when you send your children to liberal education facility. You know, like, right. and... and <clears throat> But yeah, I th- I think it's a really interesting discussion to have. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at that. That's a long winded way of uh, digging a hole for myself, trying to get out of it uh, hey, with cool. with a compliment. But no, I just I'm interested by interesting conversations at this point in my life, especially when I don't have kids in school and I have no stake in the game. It, it it's a very <laughs> nuanced, difficult yeah. conversation. Personally, I feel. That uh, there's always going to be bias no matter what. You can't separate yourself from your bias. But you can teach in a way that divorces yourself from it. Like, uh, as a small example, um, I work in the cafeteria. Uh, Sometimes, like, kids will curse. And, you know, you can't curse. That's a rule. Right. So... But instead of saying, hey, that's a bad word, hey, don't do that, or like shaming, hey, some other kids have a problem with that word. Right. Don't say it around them. Right. Respect their beliefs. Uh, and that's it. That's all you got to do uh, is teach not this is the right, this is the wrong, this is what I think, just... Some people think this. Yeah. Be respectful that's, of that's that. That's not a, that's not a uh, public use word. Kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, other than difficult discussions, uh, what are you shouting out? I have, uh, I have nothing difficult about this. This is, uh, if you have shouted this out before, I, uh, I apologize for stealing it, but, uh, Captain Midnight, the, uh, this is nothing new. A lot of people know about this channel. He's a great, uh, YouTube channel. Captain Midnight's awesome. Uh, a lot of like retro commercials in his videos, I think, is, and some <laughs> of them are are things from like my childhood that I I always get like a little mini flashback. Uh, but he's he talks about a lot of pop culture stuff, and um, I think you I I had seen his videos like as suggestions, but you uh, linked me to one about like AMC and AMC original programming, like Mad Men and. And oh sure! How yeah. it all went downhill when they bet it all on The Walking Dead. Um, so uh, uh, thank you for that because I love this guy's channel. I he covers a lot of pop culture, a lot of franchises and stuff, and and talks really frankly about the good and the bad of a lot of them in a really like mm-hmm. I think it's a positive way to critique something. And he's just generally a really good video essay guy. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like about him is that he kind of, like, he knows, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, too, yeah. and then, like, 
he just kind of knows all the angles so he just kind of gives you yeah the entire story yeah he's really good he's and they're not like long videos he's able to pack it in a you know a 20 minute video talking about uh i watched one about like the power rangers and and i'm not even into the power rangers but you know, uh, I, I think he's just, he's really well versed and he's really good at video editing and, and writing essays. So he for sure is definitely worth the, a shout out. Speaking of essays, we are going south of the border one more time when we watch Once Upon a Time in Mexico. That's next right, week. essays. What do you think of that segue? <laughs> That was... I'm very proud of that one. I might talk about that all week. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Let's mu- hope your segues into bragging about that are better. <laughs> Muchas gracias for listening to this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. If you enjoy our show, please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It helps our visibility, and it helps us grow the show. And you can even leave that review in Espanol, if you wish. Us. Tu es loco. (laughs) Another way to help us grow is to tell a friend. You can tell your friend in any language, but they probably are going to need to at least understand some English to listen to our show and get something out of it. This genius, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's that's it. What's uh, what do we have next week? Uh, I already told you. You remember my great segue into saying we're watching. All right, Oz, what's your social media? Oh, boy. Uh, my social media is on Twitter. I'm Austin and Rude, and I'm also old to review. How about you? PhilRude.com, also at PhilRude and at PhilRude75. Uh, posts are running a little bit behind, and so is the artwork. It will be up uh, later this week week austin do you want to read the credits yep we did it all ourselves there you have it we'll see you next time on the picture show see ya adios muchachos (laughs)